Chirp the Third of the Cricket on the Hearth by Charles Dickens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Dutch clock in the corner struck ten when the carrier sat down by his fireside. So troubled and grief-worn that he seemed to scare the cuckoo, who, having cut his ten melodious announcements as short as possible, plunged back into the Moorish palace again and clapped his little door behind him, as if the unwonted spectacle were too much for his feelings. If the little haymaker had been armed with the sharpest of scythes, and had cut at every stroke into the carrier's heart, he never could have gashed and wounded it as Dot had done. It was a heart so full of love for her, so bound up and held together by innumerable threads of winning remembrance, spun from the daily working of her many qualities of endearment. It was a heart in which she had enshrined herself so gently and so closely, a heart so single and so earnest in its truth, so strong in right, so weak in wrong, that it could cherish neither passion nor revenge at first, and had only room to hold the broken image of its idol. But slowly, slowly, as the carrier sat brooding on his hearth, now cold and dark, other and fiercer thoughts began to rise within him, as an angry wind comes rising in the night. The stranger was beneath his outraged roof. Three steps would take him to his chamber door. One blow would beat it in. You might do murder before you know it, Tackleton had said. How could it be murder, if he gave the villain time to grapple with him hand to hand? He was the younger man. It was an ill-timed thought bad for the dark mood of his mind. It was an angry thought, goading him to some avenging act that should change the cheerful house into a haunted place which lonely travellers would dread to pass by night, and where the timid would see shadows struggling in the ruined windows when the moon was dim, and hear wild noises in the stormy weather. He was the younger man. Yes, yes some lover who had won the heart that he had never touched, some lover of her early choice, of whom she had thought and dreamed, for whom she had pined and pined when he had fancied her so happy by his side. Oh, agony to think of it! She had been above stairs with the baby getting it to bed, as he sat brooding on the hearth, she came close beside him without his knowledge, in the turning of the rack of his great misery he lost all other sounds, and put her little stool at his feet. He only knew it when he felt her hand upon his own, and saw her looking up into his face. With wonder? No. It was his first impression, and he was fain to look at her again to set it right. No, not with wonder. With an eager and inquiring look, but not with wonder. At first it was alarmed and serious. 
then it changed into a strange wild dreadful smile of recognition of his thoughts then there was nothing but her clasped hands on her brow and her bent head and falling hair though the power of omnipotence had been his to wield at that moment he had too much of its diviner property of mercy in his breast to have turned one feather's weight of it against her but he could not bear to see her crouching down upon the little seat where he had often looked on her with love and pride so innocent and gay and when she rose and left him sobbing as she went he felt it a relief to have the vacant place beside him rather than her so long-cherished presence this in itself was anguish keener than all reminding him how desolate he was become and how the great bond of his life was rent asunder the more he felt this and the more he knew he could have better borne to see her lying prematurely dead before him with their little child upon her breast the higher and the stronger rose his wrath against his enemy he looked about him for a weapon there was a gun hanging on the wall he took it down and moved a pace or two towards the door of the perfidious stranger's room he knew the gun was loaded some shadowy idea that it was just to shoot this man like a wild beast seized him and dilated in his mind until it grew into a monstrous demon in complete possession of him casting out all milder thoughts and setting up its undivided empire that phrase is wrong not casting out his milder thoughts but artfully transforming them changing them into scourges to drive him on turning water into blood love into hate gentleness into blind ferocity her image sorrowing humbled but still pleading to his tenderness and mercy with resistless power never left his mind but staying there it urged him to the door raised the weapon to his shoulder fitted and nerved his finger to the trigger and cried kill him in his bed he reversed the gun to beat the stock upon the door he already held it lifted in the air some indistinct design was in his thoughts of calling out to him to fly for god's sake by the window when suddenly the struggling fire illumined the whole chimney with a glow of light and the cricket on the hearth began to chirp no sound he could have heard no human voice not even hers could so have moved and softened him the artless words in which she had told him of her love for this same cricket were once more freshly spoken her trembling earnest manner at the moment was again before him her pleasant voice oh what a voice it was for making household music at the fireside of an honest man thrilled through and through his better nature and awoke it into life and action he recoiled from the door like a man walking in his sleep awakened from a frightful dream and put the gun aside clasping his hands before his face 
he then sat down again beside the fire and found relief in tears the cricket on the hearth came out into the room and stood in fairy shape before him i love it said the fairy voice repeating what he well remembered for the many times i have heard it and the many thoughts its harmless music has given me she said so cried the carrier true this has been a happy home john and i love the cricket for its sake it has been heaven knows returned the carrier she made it happy always until now so gracefully sweet-tempered so domestic joyful busy and light-hearted said the voice otherwise i never could have loved her as i did returned the carrier the voice correcting him said do the carrier repeated as i did but not firmly his faltering tongue resisted his control and would speak in its own way for itself and him the figure in an attitude of invocation raised its hand and said upon your own hearth the hearth she has blighted interposed the carrier the hearth she has how often blessed and brightened said the cricket the hearth which but for her were only a few stones and bricks and rusty bars but which has been through her the altar of your home on which you have nightly sacrificed some petty passion selfishness or care and offered up the homage of a tranquil mind a trusting nature and an overflowing heart so that the smoke from this poor chimney has gone upward with a better fragrance than the richest incense that is burnt before the richest shrines in all the gaudy temples of this world upon your own hearth in its quiet sanctuary surrounded by its gentle influences and associations hear her hear me hear everything that speaks the language of your hearth and home and pleads for her inquired the carrier all things that speak the language of your hearth and home must plead for her returned the cricket for they speak the truth and while the carrier with his head upon his hands continued to sit meditating in his chair the presence stood beside him suggesting his reflections by its power and presenting them before him as in a glass or picture it was not a solitary presence from the hearthstone from the chimney from the clock the pipe the kettle and the cradle from the floor the walls the ceiling and the stairs from the cart without and the cupboard within and the household implements from everything and every place with which she had ever been familiar and with which she had ever entwined one recollection of herself in her unhappy husband's mind fairies came trooping forth 
not to stand beside him as the cricket did but to busy and bestir themselves to do all honour to her image to pull him by the skirts and point to it when it appeared to cluster round it and embrace it and strew flowers for it to tread on to try to crown its fair head with their tiny hands to show that they were fond of it and loved it and that there was not one ugly wicked or accusatory creature to claim knowledge of it none but their playful and approving selves his thoughts were constant to her image it was always there she sat plying her needle before the fire and singing to herself such a blithe thriving steady little dot the fairy figures turned upon him all at once by one consent with one prodigious concentrated stare and seemed to say is this the light wife you are mourning for there were sounds of gaiety outside musical instruments and noisy tongues and laughter a crowd of young merrymakers came pouring in among whom were may fielding and a score of pretty girls dot was the fairest of them all as young as any of them too they came to summon her to join their party it was a dance if ever little foot were made for dancing hers was surely but she laughed and shook her head and pointed to her cookery on the fire and her table ready spread with an exulting defiance that rendered her more charming than she was before and so she merrily dismissed them nodding to her would-be partners one by one as they passed out with a comical indifference enough to make them go and drown themselves immediately if they were her admirers and they must have been so more or less they couldn't help it and yet indifference was not her character oh no for presently there came a certain carrier to the door and bless her what a welcome she bestowed upon him again the staring figures turned upon him all at once and seemed to say is this the wife who has forsaken you a shadow fell upon the mirror or the picture call it what you will a great shadow of the stranger as he first stood underneath their roof covering its surface and blotting out all other objects but the nimble fairies worked like bees to clear it off again and dot again was there still bright and beautiful rocking her little baby in its cradle singing to it softly and resting her head upon a shoulder which had its counterpart in the musing figure by which the fairy cricket stood the night i mean the real night not going by fairy clocks was wearing now and in this stage of the carrier's thoughts the moon burst out and shone brightly in the sky perhaps some calm and quiet light had risen also in his mind and he could think more soberly of what had happened although the shadow of the stranger fell at intervals upon the glass always distinct and big and thoroughly defined it never fell so darkly as at first 
whenever it appeared the fairies uttered a general cry of consternation and plied their little arms and legs with inconceivable activity to rub it out and whenever they got at dot again and showed her to him once more bright and beautiful they cheered in the most inspiring manner they never showed her otherwise than beautiful and bright for they were household spirits to whom falsehood is annihilation and being so what dot was there for them but the one active beaming pleasant little creature who had been the light and sun of the carrier's home the fairies were prodigiously excited when they showed her with the baby gossiping among a knot of sage old matrons and affecting to be wondrous old and matronly herself and leaning in a staid demure old way upon her husband's arm attempting she such a bud of a little woman to convey the idea of having abjured the vanities of the world in general and of being the sort of person to whom it was no novelty at all to be a mother yet in the same breath they showed her laughing at the carrier for being awkward and pulling up his shirt-collar to make him smart and mincing merrily about that very room to teach him how to dance they turned and stared immensely at him when they showed her with the blind girl for though she carried cheerfulness and animation with her wheresoever she went she bore those influences into caleb plummer's home heaped up and running over the blind girl's love for her and trust in her and gratitude to her her own good busy way of setting bertha's thanks aside her dexterous little arts for filling up each moment of the visit in doing something useful to the house and really working hard while feigning to make holiday her bountiful provision of those standing delicacies the veal and ham pie and the bottles of beer her radiant little face arriving at the door and taking leave the wonderful expression in her whole self from her neat foot to the crown of her head of being a part of the establishment a something necessary to it which it couldn't be without all this the fairies revelled in and loved her for and once again they looked upon him all at once appealingly and seemed to say while some among them nestled in her dress and fondled her is this the wife who has betrayed your confidence more than once or twice or thrice in the long thoughtful night they showed her to him sitting on her favourite seat with her bent head her hands clasped on her brow her falling hair as he had seen her last and when they found her thus they neither turned nor looked upon him but gathered close round her and comforted and kissed her and pressed on one another to show sympathy and kindness to her and forgot him altogether thus the night passed the moon went down the stars grew pale the cold day broke the sun rose the carrier still sat musing in the chimney-corner he had sat there with his head upon his hands all night 
all night the faithful cricket had been chirp chirp chirping on the hearth all night he had listened to its voice all night the household fairies had been busy with him all night she had been amiable and blameless in the glass except when that one shadow fell upon it end of part 1 of chirp the 3rd